0: Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life
1: and your business. Here is your host, Rick Highland, and this is CI for Life.
0: Welcome to another CI for Life podcast. I'm Rick Highland. I'm here with my very special guest, Elizabeth Lewis. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Rick. I'm so excited.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to have you all the way from Richmond, Virginia, and get your insights on mindset and resiliency and a whole bunch of great topics that you coach your clients on. But before we jump into some of that, and we have been talking a lot, I did a training yesterday to my sales accelerator group on mindset and the power of belief. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. to take this same concept uh, and your insights to the group because this is so... Such a powerful idea for entrepreneurs and anybody trying to achieve peak performance. But Elizabeth, why don't you start us out and tell us a little bit about your background?
1: Yes. um, So my background is I have two graduate degrees almost in um, psychology, and I have a partial doctorate in industrial organization psychology. I'm just an absolute nerd. (laughs) I love learning. I love studying. I love growing. And I just kind of realized I had a knack for helping people transform their psychology and their businesses. And it really stemmed because I was on my own pursuit to figure out how to transform because I had such trauma in my childhood that I no one could really tell me how to overcome and so that's kind of how I got into this and then I was like ooh let's keep doing it because I'm just it's fun and when you have a job that's fun it makes it all that better
0: good for you wow that that is exciting and yeah how do you work on both a master's degree and a phd at the same time or do you compartmentalize it or how does that work
1: so um I once did two masters simultaneously. One was quarters and one was semesters. I ended up dropping one of them because the quarter and semester calendar was so frustrating. Um, And I'm not working on my doctorate anymore. You know, you get to a point where you start to see the um, limitations in education and a lot of what you need to know and a lot of what they teach you aren't the same. Like, I will tell you, I'm finishing up my graduate degree to be a therapist and you don't learn enough in school to be a therapist like it's disgusting how little therapists learn they are not prepared to really enter that world unfortunately so
0: well i, I can relate to that in biz school uh, both undergrad and mba not a not a course on emotional <laughs> stability on mindset on the you know none of that right yeah. it's all technical ideas and, uh, boy, do we need to spend more time about emotional resiliency and the right proper mindset for excellence mm-hmm. and all that kind of good stuff. So let's jump into that. Tell me about the the importance of and, and how to develop a good mindset for peak performance.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, at the end of the day... Mindset is a little bit like building a house. You have to have that solid foundation really before you can even begin to achieve peak performance. And so I like to tell people, number one, get really clear on where you're going. What do you want your life to look like? What do you want to look like? Who do you want to look like? What traits do you want to have? You know, we know that our brains can change. We our brains can change quite quickly too. And every time you think you're actually changing your neurology to a degree, but 95% of our thoughts are the same every single day. And one to 99% of those thoughts can be negative. So you want to start to grow your awareness on your thoughts. And so that then leads you to how are you making decisions? A lot of people make decisions with their feelings. Well, our feelings, are emotions, they can lie to us. We can be sent false information from our brain. So this is dangerous. You also want to learn your toxic thinking. Like what are your automatic thoughts? We all have automatic thoughts that are negative learn them. 95% of our thoughts are the same every single day. Stop being surprised when you have catastrophizing thoughts coming to you, stopping you in your little boots, like learn your ways, get over it, figure out the core belief from that automatic thought and then move forward. Um, It's also learning how to implement mindfulness in your life. Are you a judger or are you an observer? And then are you able to let go of control, especially when the world isn't going the way you want it to be? Are you able to practice acceptance? Are you able to think objectively? And are you able to navigate your intense emotions and create healthy self-talk? These are just core pillars of learning how to master your mindset. Because at the end of the day, we're humans. We're always going to be evolving, hopefully, because you're either kind of moving towards growth or you're dying, as I like to say. And so we have to learn these things so that then you can continue to build on it. A lot of times I get clients who are like, oh, I'm ready to build the second story. And I'm like, great. Where's your first story and your foundation? we got to we got to do this in a sequence and you know when you start to master your mindset when you really put the initiative and the concentration there you're going to start getting positive feedback which is going to naturally exhilarate that self-confidence which is what a lot of people are wanting especially in the business world because to your yeah. point i don't care how great your strategy is if you don't have the right mindset it means it means nothing yeah it means nothing at the end of the day
0: Yeah. So, so much you just said in there and thank you. Um, (laughs) Lots to unpack, but tell me one of the toxic mindset or negative mindsets of entrepreneurs or even any peak performers once in a while, we get imposter syndrome, right? Caught in that. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. uh, Can I really do this? And hopefully it's not a lot of the time, but that is one of those is you said, you know, you don't own that one, but it does come in. Oh, yeah. Um, how, how would you coach people to deal with that one in particular?
1: Yeah. Imposter syndrome is really just a large symptom of something a lot deeper. And depending on um, where you are in life is going to give me some indicators. So if you're an employee, and this is going to be the same for entrepreneurs too, typically imposter syndrome is a result of not being clear on what your job is, not mm-hmm. being clear on the expectations of the company, and not being clear on how your work fits into the company's greater mission. And so that can create imposter syndrome as well as not having any authority, being like, here, do all of this work, but you actually get no control or no say on how you're going to go about this. And then it really can stem from um, uh, kind of like a spirit of rejection, I like to, to say. So you have this big coping mechanism of where you don't really feel like you fit in anywhere and you're really unsure about everything and you're indecisive about everything. And so typically with that, we got some perfectionism probably yes. coming in through the cracks a little bit and really a low guilty. self-esteem. <laughs> What'd you say? Guilty? It's a guilty,
0: recovering perfectionist. So carry on.
1: <laughs> I'm right there with you. I've done well, but some yeah. days, man, some yeah. days. Um, right. Uh, but it, it, and it's also, um, really working on that self-esteem, uh, and detaching what you do with your worth, which is something that a lot of people have done because, you know, our education system in America really does create type A individuals, which is a neurosis. Like that's right. not really healthy to it's be a, type it's
0: a. a or bust or I'm a loser or I'm a, you know, whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Exactly. Exactly.
0: Tell, tell me more about, and I've read this and I know this to be true, but doing it is sometimes hard. You've got these thoughts, and it could be toxic thoughts running through your mind. And you've talked about being an observer or detach from it, which mm-hmm. I think is a really powerful principle. How, how do you actually put that into practice? Is it just being more aware? Is it writing down? What, what do you actually coach people to do when they suffer from that and they need to do a little bit of uh, better detachment or at least observer of their thoughts or awareness of their thoughts?
1: Yeah, I encourage a few things. Number one, I really encourage people to start to see any negative voice, not as them, meaning it's like a gremlin. It's somebody trying to take them over. Because if you think about it, humans are wired for love. If love didn't feel so amazing, we could have a different conversation. But if fear felt more amazing, then we'd be you know, maybe wired for fear, but we're not. And so you kind of want to like start there in the sense of like, see that negative voice or those weird thoughts, not as you, but as like a gray cloud, because it just creates some distance and some objectiveness. And then sometimes you need to just like sit in your mind's eye, like on a park bench or a fly on your mind's wall and just observe the thoughts, just observe them. You're not going to cling to them. You're not going to judge them. You're just going to observe them, write them down if you need to, because just externalizing thoughts can really put a lot into objective perspective versus that subjective perspective. But then you also want to get into habit, especially if you don't have great awareness, which is, you know, what, what just went through my mind yeah. or how true is this thought from zero to 100% um, or what was I just doing? What was I just thinking? What was I just feeling? These are some great questions to help you start to really dig deeper because I'm all about finding the roots of yeah. people's core issues and not the symptoms in America and mm-hmm. Western medicine. We're all about let's treat the bloody symptom. I don't care about your symptom. I do because it leads me to your core, but I don't, care to spend my time there. Let's let's use that to track to the real, real issue, pull that plant something instead and shift the neurology and create new synaptic nerve connections from doing that work. So it's really just starting to pay attention and start to notice your triggers because humans think in associations. So start to pay attention to when you see this and you go to this automatic thought, okay, there's neurons that are wiring together. That means you can unwire them by choosing to shift your perspective or your thinking that need. Nan- second right before you go that go down that default way of thinking or that default synaptic nerve connection if that makes sense.
0: It does. And uh, what you're saying really does make sense. So let's shift a little bit and talk about entrepreneurs in, t- in particular here. Yes. You have one of the questions we talked about off- offline that I'd love to have you share with our listeners. What are the psychometric that psychometrics that entrepreneurs need to be successful? Have you dialed that in? Have, can you pinpoint a few?
1: Oh yes, Um, I mean I can pinpoint twenty four of them to be precise. Twenty four. I won't. I won't go that that far into them. But big picture, with our interpersonal traits, we need to be an extrovert. We need a recognition score from of five to seven. We need to be conscientious of about eight to ten, so highly consci- conscientious. We need to be exhibitionist to a degree. We need to enjoy being the center of attention. We need to have a high level of trust because that naturally will increase more optimistic thinking. And as an entrepreneur, oh, you need to be optimistic. We don't got time for pessimism. Um, your nurturance also needs to be actually more moderate because that high nurturance can get us in trouble but it's the dedication traits and the um the self-discipline traits that are going to be most important so those ded- dedication traits excuse me are going to be high ambition high endur- endurance mm-hmm. high assertiveness high boldness high coachability high leadership mm-hmm. but we also need high self-confidence and self-confidence and self-esteem are not the same thing so please don't confuse them but we also need high composure, high tough mindedness. Seems like that's something that no longer exists in today's world. And we need moderate autonomy as well as high contentment and high control. Because at the end of the day, when it's time to do things, we need to go. We need to be able to have that ability to move and be flexible and shift our thinking and not get so tied up into what we don't want to see, but really where where our faith is and where we're really willing to take action and put energy in.
0: So this is fascinating. And I think you almost gave us all 24 and you, you are good. Um, what? So if I'm thinking about being an entrepreneur, have you got an assessment or a test that you can then, I can get and get some quantitative feedback on how I line up on being a successful entrepreneur?
1: Yes, um, it, I do. You can go to elizabethlewis.com backslash performance dev ask. I did not think about that link when I wrote it. So
0: sorry.
1: <laughs> Very sorry, but it's hilarious. And it scores you on 23 psychometric traits. Um, I don't bring in the IQ in that just because it would make too many questions and people like simple and efficient. And then I also have a um PDF called The Psychometrics of a Successful Entrepreneur on my website, elizabethlewis.com, that literally breaks it down, what the psychometric is, what it means, what it looks like, and just some tips on how to improve that psychometric for you so you could theoretically do both and compare and contrast or you could schedule a free consultation with me and I can debrief you on everything or
0: both um yeah. and L- Elizabeth can you improve your score yes
1: a hundred percent we're not 100%.
0: static we're not just uh, we, are where we are we are no. we can improve on all of 24 or is there some in particular that we can really make progress on
1: you know what? At the end of the day, if a person is willing, you can change anything. Mm, I love it. So, I, that. I mean, we know the brain is 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 plastic; it's remoldable. It's just, are you willing? Are you mature enough to take in some of the truths about yourself? You know, how healthy are you? If you are like really narcissistic, you might not change because narcissism doesn't really have a high improvement rate, unfortunately. So if you're willing and you're open to feedback and are willing to do the work, absolutely, absolutely. Isn't that cool? What a what
0: a great thing that we can all I always used to say when I was coaching my clients, you know, if they're at a 20 right now, I can get them to a 50. If they're at a 60 right now, we can get them to an 85. You know, there is there is that something about a learner or someone that's into continuous improvement. Yeah, really, you know, you're able to that's a driver to help you be successful overall, because a lot of most skills can be learned. Most things can be changed. And we can it's the
1: effort at the end of the day that you have to learn how to control to your point, because again, skills, abilities, those can all be learned. But if you can perfect the process of implementing your effort, Mm -hmm. man, the sky is Mm -hmm. really the limit. And if you also shift your perspective to getting away from the dock versus arriving It also creates so much freedom because I don't think we really ever arrive. Like to your point, if you're at 100, great, let's get you to 150 because there's always room for improvement. And and when I say improvement, to me, it's really learning how to give unconditional love and remain positive and faith-filled and hope-filled so that we can create a more enjoyable place on earth.
0: Mm, Love that. I love how you're tying in love Uh, both times on both questions there. Okay, so you've got an entrepreneur or a peak performer come to you. What's the process you kind of take them through to achieve peak performance?
1: First off, I want to hear what that means to them because we all have different meanings. So uh, as a trained therapist, I'm really listening to the meaning. Um, I, sp- I specialize in neuropsychotherapy as well. So I'm also listening to where we might have impoverished areas of the brain as they give their answers because those linguistics and the way they think will show case a lot. I also use a handful of assessments depending on exactly what they're wanting, which allows us to just draw a line in the sand so that we can really measure our growth because most of the clients come to me are very science oriented they want to understand the psychoeducation before they can buy into anything which i totally get because i'm a linear thinker and psychology is so ambiguous at the end of the day it can be what a value
0: add if you can actually put some quantitative detail to it it helps us kind of say oh okay i'm at this marker right now and i could go to this rather than so abstract all the time so i love the assessment idea or the, dive. oh yeah.
1: And the more quantitative you can bring in, the better. I mean, my clients typically see radical transformation by the third session, which is pretty amazing to be able to shift that quickly. Um, and then from, from a handful of the assessments that we use, we, make sure A, we're in agreement, because that agreement has to be there. Because a lot of times people will take assessments, and are like, well, I don't really agree with that. I'm like, well, you chose the answers, not me. So let's talk about that. And then we'll move forward. And then we make a game plan. I mean, this is where you have to bring a personalization to the table. So the assessments help me learn the person, helps me learn where they are, and also kind of the core issues. But I also, you know, as a, I've been doing this for so long that I can psychoanalyze someone in about five minutes, it's slightly frustrating to see. Some people, I guess. I bet you're so, fun at parties. Oh oh yeah. It's well, not everyone wants to hear answers though. Not everyone wants to hear the truth. And so it's always funny when you actually a- at a party. Yeah. Yeah, so I always am careful, but I listen to the core stuff and I always present like what I'm hearing, what do you agree with? Because my opinion doesn't matter at the end of the day if they aren't agreeing with it. And so it's always about creating that agreement and then moving forward. And then from there, like if it's an entrepreneur who's wanting to increase finances or increase culture, then after we get that mindset piece straight, we shift into implementing the strategy aspect aspect into their company so that they can get that growth and that revenue and that impact that they're theoretically after. So it's assessments, it's sessions and I'm a little different than a lot of coaches therapists out there. Life does not happen in the session. It doesn't. It's unrealistic to even think it does. And so I allow my clients to reach out to me when they need, when they need me or when they have questions because this is another way to break patterns at a faster rate. Um because at the end of the day, you know, if you only see your client for 1 hour or less a week and they're doing all this unhealthy behavior, then you're really you're really up against a lot. And so the more you can create those positive experiences, the better at the end of the day. But you know, big picture what we're learning in psychology is the more you can create empathy, warmth, and genuineness and trust with your clients, the better they'll change, the faster they'll change. And so really creating psychological safety is what I've seen to create the most success with clients, as well as just being knowledgeable in so many areas to help them grow more quickly. They, they like, they like it when their money gets in, increased pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. Um, so you just said one of my favorite words for salespeople and anybody entrepreneur is trust. So, yes. uh, cause you know, particularly for salespeople who are, you know, coming in cold, how do you build trust quickly? We know that that is just a key component to building the relationship of trust and then having business interactions inside of that so do you have any tips or ideas on how i can be better at building trust
1: Yeah. The first thing I encourage people to do is identify how pessimistic you are with your thinking because that pessimism is going to give you a bias with trusting people. Mm. Um, Also figure out if you have any trauma, figure out anything that could hinder you from trusting another person. And then I also encourage people to bring in a faith source because a lot of times people are like, well, I can't trust anyone because of my past and everyone has screwed me over. Well, you know what? Toughen up, Buttercup. Life life sucks sometimes. That's my first advice for you, right there. Second off, when you can look to your spiritual source or or something bigger than you to trust, Mm -hmm. it makes it easier because humans are always going to fail you at some point. You fail people. I mean, it's just just we're humans. We're imperfect. Um, And then the other thing is making the choice to just give them the benefit of the doubt until you have more aggregated data, objective data that proves otherwise. I mean, if you trust somebody because you have no reason not to and they screw you over, you're not a fool. You're not. And to think that you are one is more inflexible and pessimistic thinking that's at the end of the day going to harm you way more than anyone else. And so if you can just be open-minded and trusting and just take people at face value, it makes it easier. I mean, if you're, you only have so much bandwidth. So either use it to take what the person is saying as truth and just choose to make up your mind there, or you're going to constantly be questioning everything that someone says at the end of the day. And that's, is that really the best place to use your bandwidth at the end of the day? I mean, some of these things do become a choice at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, one thing is great is what does trusting someone look like? I mean, clarify the frameworks. A lot of linear thinkers need to understand what it looks like before they can do it. And a lot of people want to jump to the how. Well, how's a process question? You can't build a house if you don't know what it looks like. So what does it look like? Then go into the process of... um of, of how you could do it by being really clear on what it looks like. Cause then you can have more of the objective things you're going to manifest there.
0: Well, what I like about what you're saying, I always think about it from a standpoint of how do I become more trustworthy and you're, I'm sure you believe that as well, but what you're really reinforcing is that I need to be more trusting and approachable. And, and that impacts my business relationship or my relationships in general, but Uh, focused on entrepreneurs or salespeople, that if you can be more trusting, um, that can also open up the trust equation between uh, either clients or employees or whatever it might be. Is that any comment on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, because at the end of the day, you have to figure out what's causing you to be skeptical of people because there was some experience in your childhood, most likely, that's caused you to become more skeptical. And not trusting people can become a defense mechanism that just brings unnecessary suffering to your life. Um, And so you can also consider the consequences of not trusting anyone and learning how to trust people can take time, but start with a person that you've known for a while that has a healthy track record. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to find a, a more expansive way of thinking about trust so that you can implement it. And and really, when we talk about trust, too, we're really talking about a leverage. Uh, excuse me, a level of radical acceptance, meaning you're learning how to let go of control. A lot of times, when people want to be like super low with trust, they're kind of controlling and they just assume everything bad's going to happen to them that's totally not pessimistic at all, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. Well said. <laughs> Very nice. Elizabeth Lewis, where can people find you, email, website? How can they get more help from you?
1: Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit, as well as YouTube and Instagram. But you can find me at elizabethlewis, L-O-U-I-S dot com. You can email me at info at elizabethlewis dot com as well. Um, on the on the Internet is where I am.
0: Elizabeth, awesome insights. I love you bringing your psych- psychology background into the business world and, and trying to impact how entrepreneurs um, through their mindset and their approach. And do you find, by the way, just in closing, mm-hmm. um, my experience is most peak performers <laughs> are experiencing levels of stress. And is it because you know they want to be a peak performer and they're always improving and they have big goals and ambitions? Um, how do you coach entrepreneurs or people that are trying to big big things in their life that are experiencing anxiety and stress to go along with it? Do you have any tips for uh, those individuals?
1: Yeah, that's one thing you have to get out of the way is that stress. And it's very normal for highly ambitious people to have more stress. It's normal for the dominant personalities to just naturally struggle with stress more. And so you have to learn how to normalize that. But a lot of times people who struggle with stress to this degree are really struggling with ruminations, which is a limbic loop issue. And so there's a lot of neurology and neuropsychotherapy techniques that you can bring in. And some of them are super, super simple to the point of catching that limbic loop so if you're constantly ruminating constantly worrying interrupting that pattern by saying hey brain you're sending me false information everything is okay i'm trusting rick i'm trusting elizabeth we're trusting god we're trusting this person to do things differently you can take the day off right now or yeah. something like that it's Still just finding the <laughs> yeah 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 i mean because it, it, your your brain isn't always right sorry guys right
0: Right. And when you're ruminating, you have to figure out techniques. And you mentioned meditation or mindfulness earlier. That's a nice, simple technique to help with ruminating as well, isn't
1: it? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, rumination is is meditating. You're meditating on what you don't want to have happen in life. Okay, Fear and faith are equal in substance. If you're going to always focus on worst case scenario, it's only fair to then go best case scenario because neither one has happened yet. And self-fulfilling prophecies are real.
0: Yes. Well said. Elizabeth Lewis. Awesome discussion. So many great insights. I hope people will uh, take you up on your offer and find you if they need more help on any one of these topics. So thanks for dropping by today. Appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a great one.
0: Cheers.